Hey everyone, Matt here from the Choir Director Corner Podcast. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've gotten a lot of value out of being a listener, could you do me a quick favor and please go leave a nice, shiny five-star review in whatever platform you're using to listen to the podcast? Not only would I be greatly appreciative of that, this will also help other choir directors find the podcast. And that's one of the big goals is to reach as many people as we can. So thanks so much for being a listener and let's get on with the show. You've probably heard the old phrase, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, when your choir won't stop dragging, it's like you're pulling the horse kicking and screaming into water, trying to just fight them tooth and nail, trying anything to get them to stop dragging. Well, in today's episode of the podcast, I've got 12 strategies for you to try so that your choir will finally stop dragging the tempo and keep up with you. Let's get into it. Here we go. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Choir Director Corner Podcast. My name is Matt Walker. I am your host. Thanks so much for stopping by and joining me for today's episode. Well, as I mentioned in the intro, today we are talking strategies that you can use to get your choir to stop dragging. It can be such a frustrating experience and almost something where you're you're just trying everything, but no matter what you do, they're just constantly, consistently behind of where you want them to be, right? You know, it just makes you want to pull your hair out. So here today in today's episode are some strategies that I have used in the past that have been successful. And so sometimes you can use these just one by themselves and sometimes using these in combination with each other, right? So let's dive right in. 12 strategies to get your choir to stop dragging. Strategy number one, using a metronome that you play through your speakers. Now, I have uh, a metronome app on my phone. I used to have uh, just a large metronome in my classroom, and just through uh, an audio cable, I could plug that into my sound system. Same thing right now is I can plug my phone into our sound system in our choir room and just play the metronome at the tempo that I want. So then as we're rehearsing, They are sort of uh, listening to that as they're singing and sort of ingraining that tempo. And, you know, at first, you know, they're still kind of dragging a little bit. But as you uh, continue to use that, they just sort of get the feel of that new tempo. To them, it's new, right? (laughs) To you, it's an old tempo. To them, it's new. And getting them to sort of really embody that new tempo. So using a metronome, and if you've got a speaker system where you can make it a little bit louder, that really helps so that they can hear it uh, over the top of all the singing, right? So that's strategy number one. You can use that strategy in conjunction now with a lot of these other strategies that I'm going to talk about. So number two is count singing. So if you've never done count singing before, as the 
and choir is singing their parts. So they're singing the notes and rhythms, but instead of the text, they are actually counting the rhythms. So one and two and T and four and one and two and T and four and one. Yeah. And they're always subdividing. So it's never one, two, T, four. It's one and two and T and four and yeah, so they're always subdividing. I use T instead of three because it's just easier for the singers to say it more quickly. So yeah, so just a little uh, bit of a cheat there, but it really helps out uh, as far as the singers, again, keeping up. So once your singers are used to count singing, then what I like to do is have half the choir sing text while the other half of the choir count sings. And so I usually just number off one, two, one, two, one, two in each row. And so odds will sing text and then even number sings uh, sings uh, count singing. And so then you can do a couple of things with this. You can do it all, do a section all the way through like that and then go back and then have them switch. Or what you can do is you can start a section and just say, at random, I'm just going to call out switch. And when I say switch, you have to do the opposite of what you're doing before. So singing text goes to count singing, count singing goes to singing text. And so you can literally, in the middle of rehearsal, without even stopping, say switch, and they have to go back and forth, yeah? And picking, like, really random spots, yeah? They'll actually think it's fun, right? And, you know, people will mess up, and we laugh, and we, we just keep on going. But that's getting them again in that tempo and really paying attention to not just tempo but rhythm as well and keeping that consistent pulse. So count singing works great. And that's another thing, again, you can use that along with a metronome if that helps. Strategy number three, singers lightly sway side to side on the beat, really getting them to sort of embody the beat. This works really well if you've got something in mixed meter, yeah? So one, two, T, four, one, two, T, one, two, T, one, two, T, one, two, T. So that would be left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. Right. And it's just, again, it's a very light sway, almost a shift in weight. That's really all it has to be. Yeah. And so, you know, and you can certainly really get into it, but however it works for your singers to really, again, starting to embody this tempo, really, and just getting it in their body. So you can just do a light sway, a shift, even, at, you know, stepping left to right. Yeah getting them to go back and forth with that beat. And again, helps them to embody that new tempo that you want them to keep. So that's strategy number three. Strategy number four, this works well with a lot of other strategies as well, is singers lightly tap their sternum on the subdivision. So if it's, you know, if you're in 4-4, four, four, again, they're tapping 1 and 2 and T and 4 and, and they're just lightly tapping on their own sternum. Not enough to where it affects vocal production, right? That's still the main focus here. But again, helping them to internalize. And again, that's something that works well uh, with a metronome. And then you take the metronome away and see if they can continue to tap on their sternum while they sing and keep up with that desired tempo. 
So that's strategy number four. Strategy number five is sort of uh, the next level of that previous strategy. Instead of tapping their own sternum, they're going to lightly tap the shoulder or the palm of the person next to them. Right now, this does require some memorization of music a little bit, especially the palm. Right, the shoulder they could hold their music in one hand, and then with their off hand, they're tapping their uh, the shoulder of the person next to them. Right, but with the palm, they have their for instance, their right palm out so that the person on their right is tapping in their right palm and then their left hand, they are tapping the palm of the person next to them. Yeah, and you can even do the shoulder to shoulder. I, it's kind of awkward with shoulders being so high and especially if <laughs> you've got your tall bases, you know, people reaching up for that. So if that's too, a little too awkward, you know, depending on the height of your singers, trying uh, the palm, right? And this requires both hands, right? right hand out and then left hand they're tapping uh, in the palm of the person next to them again this is really great to really uh, embody and and train ingrain this new tempo and this consistency to this tempo yeah so having the not just tap themselves but tapping the person next to them that's strategy number five strategy number six have singers pulse their part, which means singing the subdivision with separation between the notes. Okay, so I'm not talking about singing staccato, which is something I've I've talked about previously, and I really enjoy that for for certain objectives. Here, you are pulsing the subdivision. Okay, so if you've got a whole note, you are then pulsing each eighth note. Uh, for instance, you'll be working on "O oh Love" by. Elaine Hagenberg. Oh, oh, la, Yeah. So you're pulsing that eighth note with some separation uh, of notes there. Just again. And this is great for pieces where um, there's long held out notes like love where um, it's really easy for singers to uh, really sort of slow down um, uh, or even you know drop beats yeah if it's a it's a whole note and they'll only hold out notes for three beats yeah this is great for note duration as well but having them pulse their part great for long connected uh, linear legato phrases so having them Pulse their part. That's number six. Number seven, have them conduct along with you. Again, doing something kinesthetic to help them ingrain this tempo, right? Now, if you've not done any conducting with them and you might feel like, eh, that's a little bit too advanced, that's okay. Just have them simply in front of them bounce an imaginary basketball with the beat while they sing. Yeah, and so just having that pulse and just taking their hand and bounce, 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 bounce. Yeah, and that is something kinesthetic that can still get them to sort of embody that tempo and really uh, thinking about uh, that outward pulse versus that inner pulse. Yeah, we want them to have that inner pulse, but sometimes it's a kinesthetic motion that will get them to that point where then they can uh, have that consistent inner pulse, yeah? So start with the kinesthetic to really ingrain that. And so conducting a great way to do that, or again, just 
bouncing that basketball. Yeah. Now, strategy number eight goes one step further. Instead of an imaginary basketball, give everyone a tennis ball and everyone bounces the tennis ball on the strong beat. Yeah. Or even depending on the tempo and depending on, uh, <laughs> depending on, uh, how athletic your singers are, how coordinated, that's the word I was looking for, your singers are having them bounce the ball on the pulse. Yeah. So I've done this where, and it's like, well, where am I going to get 64 tennis balls? Right. I had 64 people in my choir. So, uh, we have a, a store, a play it again sports. And so all of these used tennis balls, right. And, uh, I just uh, threw them in the laundry to sanitize them, and boom, they were all ready to go. So I just have a big duffel ball of tennis balls. Now, you know, if you're worried again about sanitation, asking students, hey, could everyone bring a tennis ball? Yeah, Or maybe uh, you have tennis balls and you give one to each student and they uh, keep it in their cubby, right? Or they keep it in their backpack so that they all, always got it there. Okay, so trying something uh, where it really is that physical sensation of bouncing that ball. Yeah, try tennis balls with your singers. And again, something that uh, it depends on the maturity level of your singers. Yeah, I, you know, I might not try that at the beginning of the year with my ninth grade bass choir, but maybe towards the end of the year or, you know, my uh, upper level mixed choir, my treble choir that is a little bit more of a level of maturity where they can do that. Yeah. <laughs> so try it out. That's strategy number eight. Number nine, doing voice placements with each section. Now, when I was at Luther College, I had great experiences of watching Weston Noble do voice placements within each section. And so afterwards, um, I uh, got to talk with him about as he was doing it, what was he really thinking about like what were his objectives uh you know what were you know the reasons why he did certain things and he talked about you know when you're placing voices in a section it's not just about pitch and about blend yes those are very important he said but i'm also listening to uh, tempo and rhythm as well because singers vary in their level of uh, rhythm versus pitch right they're rarely are they ever going to be at the same level of proficiency in pitch and rhythm so it's like their their pitch might be great but if i put two singers that both kind of struggle with rhythm and i put them next to each other you know i'm i'm asking for problems and also goes to tempo they might be great with pitch they might be great with rhythm but if they are slowing down consistently on the excerpt then that's going to make another challenge as well and we're going to struggle with that section slowing down so trying to do voice placements with your singers and as you're doing it also watching out for tempo right not just pitch and rhythm but also paying attention to tempo so that's strategy number nine. Strategy number 10, rehearse at 10 clicks faster than your desired tempo. Now, this can be really fun, especially if it's already a pretty quick tempo. And, you know, it's almost like uh, singers with uh, 
three double shots of espresso, right? <laughs> but, you know, do it 10 clicks, 15 clicks. Yeah, again, depending on the tempo. And rehearse at that hyper speed. And again, your singers are going to laugh. They're going to think you're crazy. That's great. Go back then, back down to 10, 15 clicks to that tempo, that desired tempo. And that's not going to seem so bad after that. They're going to think, oh, well, yeah, this is totally doable. After doing that, we can totally do this, right? So it's just a matter of perspective. And so sometimes having them try that faster tempo and then bringing them down to it can have a great effect. So rehearse at 10, again, 15 clicks faster than your desired tempo and see if that gets you to where you want to be. Strategy number 11, use a pendulum. So this is an old Robert Shaw technique. And so what you can do is, you know, go to your local hardware store and find a carpenter's uh, plumb bob. And, and again, just got the string on the end of it. And the length of your string then is going to determine your tempo, right? And so, um, you know, if you've got uh, a faster tempo, it's going to be a shorter string. So you have to play around with that a little bit. And of course, how far then you're going to swing, uh, swing the plumb bob. But he would do this with his choir uh, with uh, a pendulum and swing it as they rehearsed. And so they would watch the pendulum as they sang to really uh, entrain, ingrain uh, that tempo, you know, talking about entrainment and really sort of embodying that tempo by the visual aspect of seeing that plumb bob go back and forth. Yeah. So a very cool uh, visual technique. So if you're trying all these other techniques where a lot of them are kinesthetic or things that they're listening to, trying a visual technique, that's going to connect with some of your visual learners in your ensemble. So strategy number 11, using a pendulum. And last but not least, strategy number 12. This is actually a warm-up that I call 54321 conduct, okay? But it works just as well in the middle of rehearsal. I actually used it just the other day in the middle of rehearsal when I felt like the singers were not following me well. And so this warm-up is the singers just sing a five-note repeated pattern on the numbers. So one, two, three, four, five, four, three, two, one, two, three. And it just keeps cycling up and down, right? But as as they are singing, you are conducting and they have to follow you with their singing pattern based on how you're conducting. So at random, I am changing the size of my gesture to indicate volume. I am changing tempo and I'm just going back and forth, all sort of wacky combinations, you know, soft and loud. Uh, you know, back and forth, uh, slow and fast, and doing a combination. Well, now I'm going to do uh, soft and slow, but I'm going to keep it slow, but I'm going to uh, increase to real, it's really fast. And then I'm going to change it to where it's fast, but it's super loud. And then I'm going to change it to where it's super loud, but it's then super slow. And just going back and forth and doing all of these changes, it teaches your singers not only what you 
you want with your gesture because you know I usually have a little conversation with them after we do this but also really getting them used to following you because how many times uh, do we look at our choir and they've got their nose in their music right especially in the middle of the rehearsal process so getting them out of that music that's the first challenge and then really following you and sometimes it's just a matter of them not following you as far as keeping up with that tempo right so this is again another visual and again try this right in the middle of rehearsal it wasn't necessarily a, a tempo situation. It was more of a dynamic situation where they weren't really going with me as far as dynamics. And so we stopped right in the middle of rehearsal. I did this little exercise and then we tried it again and it was significantly better. And so that can work with tempo as well if your choir is dragging. Now, if you'd like to find out more about that warm-up as well as a ton of other fun, engaging choir warm-ups, you can find that over at my warm-ups webinar. And you can find that link at choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash warm-ups webinar. 50, actually 55, fantastic choir warm-ups that will not only engage your singers in different ways, but they are warm-ups that your singers will love. So head on over there and check it out. Well, that's it for today, my friends. I hope this episode has inspired you and motivated you to really dig in on some strategies to help your choir with their dragging problem. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening today, and I will see you next week. Are you looking for resources that will save you time and frustration? Want to dive deeper into topics related to your teaching? Then check out the Choir Director Corner community membership over at choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash membership. <laughs> <laughs>